Hi, we're Monique and Ali, and welcome to the Together Apart podcast. We are two mothers who are both currently successfully co-parenting and wanted to create the resource that we wish we'd had when we'd started on our journeys of parenting after separation. We want to make it very clear that we are not trained therapists and are sharing our lived experiences. Some of the concepts we speak of aren't relevant in situations where safety is an issue. here today uh me and Allie and we get so many questions about the first I've just six se- months yeah the first six months I've just we've just separated and you know I'm feeling really lost I'm feeling really alone I don't know what to do next and so yeah. we thought we would just outline some real basics and just to clarify that this these are to be used in situations where it is physically, emotionally, and spiritually safe for both everyone, of for everybody, yeah. Two capable parents and children who are always mm-hmm. safe in each parent's hands. Yeah, that's priority always. Yeah. We will just kind of outline a few points to do in the early days because it's, I mean, it's it's a really confusing, scary time, and it really depends upon how you've separated. You could have come to the decision together to separate. Or one parent has made the decision for both of you. And so it can obviously be really shocking. But the decision to separate has been made. And so being really clear about what that is, either with each other or to yourself. Yeah. So I think an example of that is for Charlie and I, we knew that we were just not uh, compatible romantically. We just didn't have, I don't know, the thing that makes Mm. romantic relationships work. Mm. And it really was so helpful to just both understand that. And then we caught, we just kind of always said we weren't compatible. And then to be able to draw on that and come back to that whenever, you know, things got a bit tough or a bit blurry or anything like that, having something that we both knew and just being really clear on that. And I think, relationships can be so painful and it sucks and breakups just they're like the worst thing ever and so I think and when one's leading like you mentioned Mm. it can be really confusing and the the unknown is scary especially when you have kids because Mm. I think you just don't know when it to next and I think you know standalone breakups are hard but then when you have to factor in children and trying to be careful around them and all those kind of things it adds a whole layer of complexity yeah and so I think yeah, we've just come up with some straightforward kind of points that helped us. One of the first things is where to now, I would say living arrangements. That's important. Yep. Are you going, so there's a few options. Obviously you can both, I guess, let's use the idea that you have a family home. So you can both move out, get rid of the family home. I know that happens a lot of the time. Create two new family homes. There's a thing called nesting. Have you heard of this where the parents come in and out of the family home on alternate days? Yeah, this is days? what me and Steve had talked about when we yes. eventually decided to stop co-living is that we thought we'd have one house yeah. where both stays and then we rotate in and out of it. So we yeah. still have two homes, but him and I move rather than both moving between us. For us, we just went into separate places. We obviously co-live now, but that was not it from the start. If you haven't listened to um, episodes before, we live separately for about two years. Um, I do know that some people go straight into co-living. Um, and if that is something I 
personally think it would have made it a lot more complex and a lot harder to grieve and have the healing time by yourself. But if that's something that you think you can manage, by all means. What else do we have? I had, yeah, so um, I've got it under custody, but it's not custody. So how often, we don't mean anything that's going through the legal department. Um, Child sharing. Child sharing, that's what we called it. Um, How often is who going to have what? Who's the, I say primary carer, is there a stay-at-home parent Mm-hmm. what what's going to work what does that look like yes what does that look like you? thank you yeah me and steve never ever had because we didn't really need it we just we just shared yeah same um so a couple i was the stay-at-home i was a stay-at-home parent to start with so it made sense that Bo was with me most of the time but if steve wanted him or Bo needed him then we just did that they yep. had weekends sometimes i'd do weekends it was very fluid between yeah, our households Steve would come over for dinner. I would go over there. So it was, it was very, very easy. Yeah. We're the same. Uh-huh. Um, but, but you might need you... something more structured if you're yeah. both working or if the kids are at school. Writing down mutually agreed upon things is actually really, really good because you can yeah. have a conversation about it and say your family meeting or in this initial discussion. So if, if hurt feelings are involved and you're pissed off about somebody or remembering things differently to how they happened, you can come back to this document. It doesn't have to be a formal contract where a lawyer signs it, but it can just be notes that you are both agreed upon about mm-hmm. what's happening and how you're moving forward and, and all of that sort of stuff. I think even something that we did in the literally within weeks of um, separation was getting a counselor or a therapist Mm -hmm. so that we would learn we learn how to communicate our needs because our communication in the early days was extremely volatile and we were getting nowhere because there was a lot of hurt feelings a lot of resentments a lot of grief and that was basically all that was coming up so having a therapist just helped us to understand and really really hear what each other was feeling and needing in the moment mm-hmm. and then also I had a therapist that I would see by myself and so did Steve so that we were able to have a safe space where we could process our own wounds individually and I don't think I really trusted anyone in my personal life to be able to hold space for me without mm-hmm. needing to attack him mm-hmm. uh, and I think that would have been really unhelpful to our a relationship if that had happened because now that we're in a space where we're really good I didn't want people's thoughts to be skewed towards him or the father of my child you know I think getting someone and if you can't get a counselor therapist I know that there's family services that offer mediators Mm -hmm. uh, or even having a friend who's able to remain relatively neutral and just interrupt the conversation uh, or direct the conversation in a more, I guess, helpful way would be really good. I guess what you're trying to avoid is someone who, if Mon came to me and goes, oh, Steve's such a dick. And I'm like, yeah, he is. What are you doing mm. this time? You want to avoid that. Yeah. You want someone who's going, well, okay. Screw like him. Look- you deserve the best. Yeah. Don't listen to what he's saying. You know, you, that's not You helpful. also want that friend that goes, okay, well, just tell me what happened and then let's discuss it and why are you yeah. feeling this way? Yeah. You know, yeah. you want someone who can. And what just- can we do next? How, yes. You know, what's the next best step? I was going to say just in this whole piece, keep what's going on private 
because I know that it's really easy to want to prove you to be the right person in the situation and to mm-hmm. bring other people in to validate that you are right, especially if one person has made the decision to leave. And so I think having an early agreement to just keep it private as you're navigating that time so that yeah. people don't feel like they have to take sides or that they're being ganged up on. Probably you'd need to allow yourself a support person. Yes. One or two. So we're not saying don't talk to anyone about it, Mm -hmm. but just choose your people wisely. People that aren't going to jump on the hate bandwagon because that's not what you're trying to establish here. Finding people who are going to keep you grounded, keep you, I want to say awake, but I don't mean that. Keep you in a- Hold um, space for you to really- Yes, hold space. That's it. Just so, yeah, it doesn't become this- angry thing you know and then what else have we got oh boundaries so yeah like communication so boundaries around communication so I know you said last time we recorded this because this is the second time because your Mm -hmm. microphone did not work that your friend um had one that was they only have phone calls about serious things because they can hear tone and the meaning of instead of text messages because often things can get really skewed so deciding the best method of communication yes um best method of communication I know you and Steve do monthly meetings so you're going to have a monthly meeting to discuss kids are you going to catch up once a fortnight night to go for a walk and discuss some things um you know working out that kind of stuff uh if it is really hard to do that getting a psychologist sitting down with a psychologist or a counselor even a mutual friend who can just help at the beginning just help keep the conversation on track with the children could be helpful just working out best method of communication um, and how you're going to and when you're going to discuss things that need to be discussed, mm-hmm. which there will be. So yeah. one of these big ones that I have written in capitals is don't have sex. But that with is, each is, other. <laughs> with each other. Oh yeah, with each other. Sorry. Um, but I think that's a really important one. And we yeah. uh we never kind of said that, but it was an unspoken boundary for us. Mm. And I think it's really important. It it does not do anything good like even if you are separating and there is a chance that you think you might get back together Mm. just take the time to separate don't confuse it and make it harder for both of you and if the kids are involved the kids it's muddy waters as it is you don't want to muddy them even Mm -hmm. more because you trying to transition from that romantic relationship into a different kind of relationship and you don't yeah it's just going to make things confusing especially when there are still feelings involved potentially Mm -hmm. confusing that with intimacy so it's our recommendation do not have sex with one another yeah do not kiss one another do not (laughs) i feel like i'm on mean girls just don't have sex um okay so early boundaries this can be set around uh dating Mm -hmm. so I know you might not, if you're listening to this, you might not even be in a space where you can comprehend that. But just understanding that, I mean, for us and you, Mon, I think just an unspoken boundary was that we don't, you don't have dating around the children Mm. at all. You respect your co-parents thing. You're not throwing it in their face that you're dating. You're not, not even talking about it at the beginning. What you do in your time when you don't have the kids is your own thing. Don't bring it into the family unit. What do you suggest then if someone has left their partner for somebody else? Oh, 
sticky well, fish. And- yeah, it's a sticky. I mean, I haven't come across a lot of mm-hmm. uh, situations like that. I would say setting, you can set boundaries around that. Can that person spend time with the children? Is the other person okay with that? If not, then how are you going to navigate that? Mm. And I think that would probably be a big thing at the start is allowing your co-parent to come to a place where they have healed enough and have grieved enough to be okay with that person spending time with the kids. But if your kids are older and they're coming home and saying, I spent time with this person and this person, you know, mummy and her friend or daddy and his friend, then I think, right at the start, that's a pretty low blow if it's not agreed upon. So I think communication is the best thing there. And that might be one of those ones where you've got a friend or a counsellor yes, sitting with you. Navigate and mediate the conversation. Um, because I think it's really important to stress the importance of respecting someone else's grieving period yeah. and healing time. In fact, it's hard, it's hard enough going through a separation without adding another person's feelings yeah. or yeah. even your feelings towards that other person into the mix. You're trying to deal with so many things and if possible, just keeping it in the family unit because you're still a family unit, even if you've met somebody else and you want to be with them, you know, yeah. whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that that family unit isn't still going to be a part of your life forever yeah and I think it's really important to see that even though your romantic relationship has come to an end that doesn't necessarily mean that your family unit yeah has broken just- we've talked about this before about broken homes don't necessarily mean you know two parents yeah. 2.5 kids the broke you can be together and have a broken home you can be apart and have a whole home yeah and I think it's just like if say you're the person who has had an affair or cheated or whatever Mm. and you still want to bring that person in I think just take a step back and look at the bigger picture Mm. and just be really respectful to the other person because I think infidelity is always a really hard thing to navigate. Not even, not even the other person, but the kids as well. Because yes, the kids. One day, daddy and mummy together, and the next day, daddy or mummy are with somebody else. Yes, it's confusing, and that's confusing. Mm-hmm. You can, we can make that broaden that to further down the line. I mean, we have a rule that um, there's no affection in front of Rocky until you're really, really certain that this is a person that's going to be in your life for a long time. So, so yeah, they can hang out as friends um, and all of that, but there's no kissing, hand-holding, touching or anything in front of Rocky. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't see it as anything else but a friendship. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's just one of our boundaries. I just want to insert here how important it is to not use the children as a Pawns. pawn, Pawns. so important. Bargaining chips, threats, or any of that sort of thing. Because I suppose the intention is to hurt the other person or to scare the, you know, to scare the other person. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not helpful. That's not how you're going to come about a resolution. That's going to keep people stuck out of fear rather than moving them in the direction of progressive action. And it's yep. also not fair on the children. Not fair at all. And not just, I always, I said this in the first episode, 
your kids didn't decide to be born, you did that. You have a responsibility yeah. to put responsibility to put your shit aside and do what's best for them. Yeah. I think I cannot say that sternly enough. Yeah. It's just not okay. There's no situation where it's okay. Yeah. And I think attacking when you're hurt, when these feelings involved and you're hurt, it's really easy to attack people where it's where they're most vulnerable or where mm-hmm. it's going to hurt them the most. And so attacking them as a mother or father when you are taking issue with them as your partner is not healthy. It's it's really it's a low blow is basically what I want to say. Yeah. Trying not to be at your chapter 20 when you're at your chapter one with co-parenting. Yeah. I know a lot of people are potentially here because maybe they're in the early stages of their separation and they're thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to co-parent with this person. And you could sit in your very, very early days that co-parenting could be the goal and it could look like having a family holiday. I remember when me and Steve first sort of started down the co-parenting path, one of our long-term goals was to be able to take a family holiday together, to be in a space where taking a family holiday with both and just me and him felt like Mm -hmm. a big deal, really. Now it's nothing. We do it all the time. But we never expected that within three months of our separation that we were going to go away in my mind, play happy families, I suppose. We weren't, we definitely weren't in that space. And so in the early days, co-parenting might be the goal rather than the immediate action that you step into. Yeah. Um, in terms of being able to sort of navigate fam- familial experiences. Yeah, it might be really hard at the start. Yeah. And it- and it often is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, having a goal or an anchor to work towards is really mm-hmm. great because mm-hmm. it's something, you know, like even Charlie and I, we still have our vision and we, you know, it started off just being friends and now it's more like, okay, we're going to live close to one another and it's going to be really fluid and it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, and we refer to that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really handy. Um, I wanted to touch on something that I, I did, I've done a few little things about on Instagram and I've got really good responses and it's just about what, especially for mothers, but I'm, that is a stereotype um, because often if your children are really young, it's often the mother who is the primary carer, Mm -hmm. but what to do in your alone time. Okay. Because you've just separated, you are now living separately if that's what you've done or you've got shared, whatever it is, and you have more time on your hands and maybe it's not what you expected or what you wanted. And I think something that really helped me was really doing the things that I did not get to do when Rocky was around. Mm. So whether that be go hiking because I can't piggyback a child the whole way, you know, or um, going out for coffee or going out for a wine after bedtime time because normally you're stuck at home. Just really making a point of doing things that I was not able to do with Rocky really Mm. helped me with that. I actually really loved my time away from Rocky, um, which I used to feel really guilty for saying, but for me, it was a really nice break. She was a shocking sleeper and I really needed that, that sleep. Um, but I do know a lot of mothers, I'm referring to that because that's my experience and who's reached out to me really struggle with, okay, I was a full-time parent and this actually, you know what, this is dad's as well, but I was a full-time parent a week ago and now I have my child 50% of the time. What am I going to do to fill my time? 
And that can be such a scary thing. And often when you sit down and you're by yourself and then your house is quiet and there's not kids running around or sleeping, all your feelings come up and it can be so easy to feel resentful and angry and feel things that you didn't necessarily expect to feel. And then it can become tempting to take them out Mm. on your co-parent because they have the kids and they're getting all that time with them and as well. their fault that you're in this situation yes. and whatever it is, the story yeah. you're telling yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, just being mindful of trying to do stuff that you really can't do with a child. Um, and That's not to say it will be easy because even, no. but also take full advantage. I do. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> really, yeah, no, it's okay. Also, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to lie in bed and watch Netflix all day if that's what you want to do yeah. because you can't do that when you're a parent like just give your permi- yourself permission to have a break from parenthood come back miss your children mm-hmm. come back refreshed and ready to give them your 100% undivided attention mm-hmm. and make the best of your time together because you get a proper break and I think yeah. that spinning it into an advantage of co-parenting um, is that you get most of the time we don't because mm-hmm. we co-live but you get a proper break from your child yeah and that is something that a lot of parents don't and a lot of parents end up really touched out and exhausted and no time to recharge. Mm -hmm. So I think that's spinning, I guess, a not so great situation into a positive. And I think that's everything, you know, knowing that you're going to be on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, you're going to have days where you feel really, really good and feel really, really positive and you're feeling like your old self potentially. And then you're going to have Mm -hmm. days where you feel sad and angry and grief over, for example, the white picket fence dream, you know, I had it all and now it's all gone kind of experience. You just need to make sure that you can grieve. Yeah. And I think that means for me, I liked, yeah, just, process do things that you would normally do in a breakup it is harder when you have to see or talk to um your ex-partner all the time which having a kid kind of makes happen there's going to be days where you feel good and days where you feel bad and those are 100 percent completely normal uh, and knowing how to support yourself and the days that feel not so great whether it's okay I know that I'm having a bad day I need to rest I know that I'm having a bad day I need to ask someone to watch the kids for the day so that I can uh, go meet friends or go for a walk in nature or whatever it is that you need to do to support yourself and trying to take the view that this is not the beginning of the end as much as possible but a new beginning yeah. is I think a much more child-centric way to look at the separation. It's a new ordinary, a new kind of ordinary that you're stepping into. Um, and just moment by moment, day by day, allowing yourself to be cared for by friends and family if that's what's mm-hmm. needed. Um, and lots and lots and lots and lots of communication. <laughs> and also you don't need to be a hero. No. You need to do it all and be a hero. So if you need help, reach out. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. I had a friend um, message me the other day and she asked my advice on something, which I really enjoyed because, you know, sometimes people are like, I just want to be heard or I just, I want your opinion. Mm-hmm. So she asked for my opinion on something and I kind of gave it. And then afterwards she said, oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry for bothering you with this. I know. And I said, never apologize for asking for help. Like it is my privilege as your friend to be able to 
Yeah, help you with that. Give it definitely. to you. So just letting people, um, knowing it's safe to go to certain people is is a really good thing and never apologizing for that. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think that's good. about it. Any questions, send them through on our DM, uh, DMs on Instagram because we are going to start a Q&A section at the beginning of every episode. And I think it will start to give us a rounder understanding of the different kinds of co-parenting relationships and situations that people have, which is always going to be a good thing. So send them through and we will do our best to answer them for you. Yes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being part of the co-parenting movement. We are so grateful to have you here. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review and subscribe. If you know any friends or family going through a separation with children, please pass this on so we can reach as many people as possible. Follow at Parenting Together Apart on Instagram and we'll see you next time.